0: welcome to the mindset for runners podcast helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete welcome to this very special episode an interview with ultra endurance runner mark avery mark was a non-runner only six years ago and in 2016 we're going to learn how the death of a very close family friend sent him into a bit of a downward spiral and how running helped Mark to get out of that spiral. And what he's done with running since then will blow your mind. And in this interview, you're gonna hear how he turned things around and really went after life and went after ways to build a big why in life. He teaches us how to unpack your why to find it and how your why is gonna change as you evolve as a human and how your values and priorities change. You're gonna hear so many cool things that Mark's done, including running 21 half marathons in 20 days, and also in that fundraiser, how he interviewed people like Gus Wallen from Triple M Sydney, Steve Smith, the Australian cricket captain, and other high-profile runners that you may or may not know from the ultra-running world, and how that became a real focus for him to do more fundraising and more challenges in the future, such as running from Tweed Heads, to the Sydney Opera House, completing around about 45 kilometres a day for 20 days in a row. He also went after a 24-hour treadmill world record. We're gonna hear that whole story and how that panned out and how Mark recently uh, came fourth in the Australian Invitational 24-hour track event in Canberra, running a total of 222 kilometres in 24 hours, outstanding. And his vision for the future, including uh, a starter's place in the much uh, respected Costa of Kosciuszko in December. So sit back or get running and enjoy this awesome interview with Mark Avery. All right, I've got Mark within the call. Mark, thanks so much for your time. How are you going today? Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Yeah, really good, really good. It's
1: Friday. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Have you been out for a run today? I have, yeah. um, and it was really hot and humid. It was one of those days where I really didn't want to get out, but... Um, if you're moving you're winning as joe always says (laughs) as the
0: the wise joe ward always says now that's how we did meet joe introduced us um which i'm very grateful for he's a great friend of both of ours and he shared a lot he first told me about you um when you did the 24-hour invitational in july now joe was running for australia in bangalore india which if you've heard this podcast before you would have heard me interview him but at exactly the same time you were running in canberra on your first ever 24-hour track race for those who don't know you run around around a 400 meter track changing direction every four hours mark is that correct yeah that's right so can you take us to that race in Canberra
1: and and how it was Mm. for you yeah as I as I said just before we jumped on it was a brand new experience I was really looking forward to it but also a bit nervous Um, and mainly because I wasn't sure how I would get on Um, as the race progressed, I'd come off the back of a couple of big charity events where huge amount of pressure and and spent a lot of time on the why, And then I was going down and it, it, it all felt a lot more low key, which was good. I felt I was going into something and, and didn't feel under pressure. Um, so much so that I actually slept through the night completely the night before, which is really, um, bizarre <laughs> so I felt really good really relaxed going into it and my main intention was just to see how I'd get on see how I'd enjoy it and was was also just it was all a bit surreal from sort of starting six or seven years ago to all of a sudden being invited along to this event and running alongside some people that you know I, I really looked up to so um yeah just Really, really enjoyed the whole event. I just took all the advice from Joe, just started off really slow, ignored everybody else, settled into a nice pace. Um, and looking back, it always seems a lot easier than it was. It definitely wasn't easy. Um, but I just, I, I, felt, I felt at home, which is the best way to describe it. And I finished that feeling broken, but hungry for more wow so much on unpacking what you just said um
0: we'll get yeah. to your cha- charity events and your charity work in a second because you mentioned that there wasn't as much pressure around this 24-hour event even so much mm. that you slept the night before which i'm eternally <laughs> jealous about but where um what did keep you going i mean let, let's start let's start with that you mentioned your why for the charity events what yeah. was why, what was the why for this
1: 24-hour well i think my my why has really changed over the years and i think one of the key learnings for myself is constantly going back to my why before each event or after the event, because it does change. And I think I've seen it in other people where they, they can lose motivation going from event to event because they're still, they're still approaching it as maybe um, as they approached it five years ago. So I always go back to why I'm doing it and really, really unpack it to the point where I know that I'm really clear with my why, if it makes me feel a little bit choked up because um, I know it hits, it hits home. And for me, the main thing is just about ins- the, the, the big, big thing. There can be individual whys, and I usually have a long list, but at the top of that list is always about inspiring my kids um, and inspiring my family. And, um, yeah, even, even talking about it now, you sort of, uh, you feel, um, that little bit of, um, water behind the eyes and you start to get a little bit choked up. So that's, that's when I know that it's really right for me. So that's always the top of my list. And then there was, um, I constantly want to just see what I can do. There's, there's a real, um, Part of what drives me is just trying new things, testing myself it's not necessarily about winning because I'm not the fastest or not the the fittest out there, but being able to rub shoulders with people that six years ago were a completely different um, I um, you know when you before you get into this journey you you put people on pedestals and you kind of see them as i could never do that and then all of a sudden you're you're in the thick of it with these people so i constantly remind myself of that as well and and that really drives me on and again i think that takes the pressure off because i'm you rather than going into that event with um I suppose a lot of pressure on your shoulders and I've got to do well and I need to do my best. And, um, you know, I kind of try and just go into them really open, just trust my training, run my race and see how it goes. And so, um, they're the, I suppose they're the reasons why I go in. And then, um, I also wanted to see whether, I would enjoy track and how it would translate to, I really wanted to get into Costa Cosi as well. So it was, (laughs) it was another, that was another big point for me. I wanted to do well, so I could use it to get into Costa Cosi. Fantastic.
0: And just to keep everyone from the suspense, how did you go with that, that goal?
1: Yeah. So I managed to get um, 222 kilometers, which was really really happy with um and especially at some points during the night where um I started to I started to feel really tired about the 10 hour mark and I was like oh god this is going to be a long long time and similar to I think Joe talking about in your podcast I was like right come on let's bring all the caffeine forward Um, I need a, a hit and instantly saw a difference in my mood and energy then obviously there's at different points in the race. The caffeine stops working and um, went to the bathroom, fell asleep on the toilet for two minutes. And that power nap was just what I needed at sort of <laughs> two in the morning and woke up feeling completely refreshed. Um, and yeah, then it was all about chasing that 220. Um, so with four, I think it was, yeah, sort of four hours to go um it was then just that was my focus it was it was more about okay let's I was working together with one other person um Mm. and yeah we both wanted to get over 220 so we were doing both doing the old run walk strategy and we were slightly off so we were we were only sort of walking and running together at certain points but that was that was a huge huge piece as well as well as my crew they were awesome it's fascinating how you end up working together
0: everyone thinks these track events are boring and like you know <laughs> like lab rat mice I've heard it described but you know the, yeah. the, the 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 thing that happens out the track you can never prepare for and hearing you working with someone mm. else for a common goal is really powerful can I take you back to that why when you mentioned the why you said you're really clear with it before the race mm-hmm. when when and how do you use that why In the lead up to the race and then during the race because um we often hear about knowing your why and getting clear on the purpose and everything but from Mm. a practical sense what do you do with it once you've found it
1: what do i do with it once i've found it what what do you mean sorry how how do i incorporate into everyday life well more more so for
0: a race so you prepare you mentioned about the kids and seeing what you can do and then you know reminding yourself where you came from and yeah inspiring yeah the family Okay, so
1: how do I use it within a yeah. race? Um, I think it's it. It feels a bit like a washing uh, or a a shopping list at, at at some points, but I suppose it's it's having that list of things you can go to in a race, and at different points, different things are going to inspire you. So there's um, because I mean, on that list as well, I've only mentioned all the positive things, but there's some points in a race where it's actually the fear of failure that's driving you on. You know, when you're feeling really, really crap, maybe my kids will give me a boost only so much. And then maybe you've got to go to a dark place where you can draw some additional strength. So I think, and it's about linking, I suppose, getting those reasons and linking it as to as many different things as possible so that I can, um, I suppose, that utility belt, coming to that race with a belt full of things you can use. Um, And obviously there's things with nutrition and different other strategies you can use in there as well. But for me, those mental tricks are just as important to use alongside. Um, But yeah, it it really is about, for, for me personally, having as many different things that I can go to. So it's um, my kids were supposed to be there throughout the event. Unfortunately, my son had, had gastro, so oh. they spent the whole time in the, um, in the hotel room. But my, one of my support group picked up my daughter and she came down on the Saturday evening and it was such a huge, huge boost for me because she was there and my my daughter's very energetic very talkative and her energy just transferred onto me and we we're sort of running around and she was having fun she was only there for maybe half an hour 40 minutes but that was a huge that kept me going for two three four hours if not more because what I was doing at the beginning of um the race as well is I kept on looking over at the entrance because I was expecting them to come in And so I asked one of my crew after a while, I was like, you know, what's going on there? And they they haven't turned up yet. And they said, oh, you know, uh, they're running a bit late. And then eventually they told me. But um, yeah, yeah, for me, it's, yeah, as I said, it's just trying to have as many different things I can draw upon, but having it before the race. Yes. um, And as I said, those dark moments as well. So whether it's... um, the letting people down my crew have gone down there i don't want to let them down um i don't want my kids to see me giving up either so on all these different events my always um one of the stories that i've got is even if i've got a walk i will finish bar a really bad injury but that's always my safety net of If all else goes wrong and I need to walk this to finish it, I'll do that. This is really interesting how you talk about the shopping
0: list or the utility belt (laughs) of stuff and and how one thing will will sustain you for two or three hours. With those dark places, I'd like to have a closer look there because I think it's often Mm. unsaid. like, like, Like you said, you know letting your kids down or or that fear of failure can you can you give us an example of where you've used that in in an event to get you through when when all the top stuff like the why hasn't worked and you've fallen down (laughs) caffeine and then the nutrition but then you get down can you take us to a dark place and kind of
1: Mm. well um i think having I feel looking back on my story and I know we'll we'll touch upon that in a minute, but having come from a place of feeling quite depressed, hiding that and just having to get up every day, go to work, act as if everything's normal. That's a horrible place to be in. And I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, Mm. but in those dark places, I do go back to that place, um, and they are nothing in comparison. Like this, I feel as though it's it's given me this ability to see this suffering in these races as just a. At some points, it just feels like a complete gift. I feel so lucky to have the ability to. I'm on this track. I'm being able to test myself. I'm doing something I never thought was ever possible in my life, um, and you—you—it's a bit of a sort of crazy smile or crazy laugh, right? That you're in this complete mess that you've chosen, and it's what we—what I go hunting for as well. I f- you feel alive. It—it's—you um, feel as th- it gives you. I suppose maybe there's a part of it that's a bit show off as well. You know, you're in these really weird and wonderful environments that not a lot of people would be in. So there's that excitement as well. Um, And I suppose the other story that's in my head is that it will pass. Um, I can stop if I want, but I know that I'd regret it if I did. Wow. That's a very powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I I suppose it, it does make you look at that suffering in a completely different light. It doesn't feel as like running in a race and going to a dark place. It is nowhere near as dark as um, I suppose, feeling depressed and completely lost and worthless. It's kind of a, a suffering, but a, but with a a huge sense of worthiness. So it's, um, yeah, very, very different.
0: I've never heard anyone say it like that. Would, would you mind sharing a little more about your story and where, how you've touched that depth of that darkness?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, back in, I think it was October, 2016 I'm losing track of time, but, um, yeah, we were, myself and my wife, Vicky, were living next door to our friends and sort of Australian family, adopted family, Gab and Frank. Uh, we lived next door to each other. We all worked at the same place. We had um, two daughters the same age who were best friends, so Lily and Sasha. And um, yeah, out, out of the blue... In October, Frank was diagnosed with cancer. And then a few short months later, he unfortunately passed away and um, it hit us all. Um, And I think being a typical bloke kept it all in, but was just really struggling, Um, really struggling to support them as a family, struggling to come to terms with it. And I think because we were basically living with them, um, we were living it with them. Um, and so that just continued to build up for me. And then, um, I started to feel, I suppose, more and more depressed. Um, it started impacting my work. I was having panic attacks at work, which i would never experienced before. And then within, within a few months, all of a sudden I was in this hole and you're kind of like, how did I get here? Um, but but how do I get out and that's me on reflection I wasn't thinking that at the time you kind of just and it's all a bit of a blur but I was in this hole and I just had no idea how to get out um it was very very overwhelming and so yeah I went to the went to the doctors uh, I'd sort of briefly spoken to my wife although you know as I said I kept a lot of it to myself sort of said you know i'm not feeling too good (laughs) that's the bloke's way of saying i'm really really struggling um went to the doctors and then when they asked how i was just broke down and um i think that that just gave me a just a tiny bit of space to then do something um even though i didn't do anything else so i didn't speak to anyone else after that as far as the doctor's concerned because they wanted me to go and see some other people but it just gave me a sort of crack in the pain and the build-up releasing that tension so that I could try and do something and that do something for me was starting to run um, and yeah I remember my I was thinking about signing up for the marathon and like i thought about it every year for the past 10, 15 years and just never got round to it. And then, um, yeah, my daughter came home from school with a a picture and she said, oh, daddy, I've drawn you this picture. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And she gave it to me and it said, if you can dream it, you can do it. And um, the, the famous yeah. Walt Disney quote. And, yeah, signed up that evening and, <sighs> um, and I just – I really loved the training. So I am re- trying to replace all those bad habits with good habits. So I was, I was drinking a lot. Um, so I just completely stopped drinking and then put all my energy into running and I couldn't sleep anyway. So I was running early in the mornings and um, yeah, it just, I mean, it took, it took a really long time for me to feel good again. Um, but gradually, sort of day by day, week by week, month by month, just started to feel a bit better and a bit better. And it started to give me a sense of control as well. I felt completely out of control and work was still mm. suffering and I was still really struggling at work at the time. But running gave me this feeling of control, which. um was this it gave me such a feeling of purpose. And then gradually, gradually, then that good feeling that I was getting from running, then started to take over and sort of seep into other areas of life. Um, And everything just started to get better and better as the months and years went on. So that was how I gave me a, a gift. I did just lose you for a few seconds there, Mark, before
0: yeah. we, this is fascinating. Before we move on to the, the following years and, and what running gave you, I, I'm just so curious of when your neighbor, Frank was diagnosed with you know cancer and died so quickly in a matter of months, you said, and mm. then it knocked you for six where it kind of it sounded like it crept up on you. You didn't, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly until you finally went to the doctor. Yeah what did it do to you? Like what, what, what did it kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but what did it touch in you or or what did it open in you? Or what did it deflate in you Mm. that led you down that dark place?
1: I think, I think there was a couple of things. I think there was, um, you think you're invincible as a kid. Um, And not that I was a kid. I mean, I was God, how old was I then? Maybe early thirties, maybe. Um, But, to see somebody go through that, it was the pain of seeing, of, I suppose, his loss, the pain of watching the family go through what they were going through. But then it, I, I could kind of put myself in that position as well. Mm. And it was, okay, if I was to die tomorrow, would I be happy? Or would I feel fulfilled? And I, and I think the answer was No. <laughs> And I think I was, uh, at the time I was drinking too much um, and I felt like I was wasting my life a bit. Um, and I wasn't really going after and doing these things that I wanted to do in my life. Um, and even though I, we had a good life, right? We'd emigrated to Australia both myself and Vicky had good jobs, although at the time work had taken over, and we were working really long hours. It was really stressful, so I think it was that it was sort of an early midlife crisis where I was like, "Is is this all there is? We've we've kind of been working to this point, and we're here. We're both stressed, and it just yeah, as I said, it just got me to completely reexamine my life and think where right, I if I was to start again now what would I want my life to look like and the pain of the pain of um not changing was greater than the pain of changing um and you know because you can you can get by with just a little bit of unhappiness for quite a number of years and if it it's funny. It's only when that pain gets to a, a sort of certain tipping point that you decide to do something about it.
0: Did you reach that tipping point or did you get the awareness of it before you did reach it? Yeah.
1: No, I, I, I was definitely, I'd gone way past that tipping point into, yeah, into a point where I, um, I just had zero self-worth. I was very negative about my whole life about where I was, about my past, present, and future. It kind of um, infiltrated, I think, in narrative psychology, they call it um, a contamination story. It's a a really negative story that sort of contaminates everything. Um, And so, yeah, as I said, it got to the point where the pain of not changing was much greater than the pain of changing. And I needed to change. Before we move on,
0: because I'm getting so much out of what you're saying. And I know there's somebody listening to this podcast who might be in that place that you've just described. Yeah. I I know for you, you said you weren't aware of it at the time. It's easy to look back with this reflective way. And you got to that. What would you say to that person who is feeling these feelings, probably doesn't recognize or maybe doesn't realize is there something you can just give them to shed that light that, that could help them take the next step?
1: Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me, I think, right at the beginning was just taking – uh, people talk about taking responsibility all the time, but it's it's kind of taking responsibility and being really honest with where you are and not running away from the pain and using that pain – as the rocket fuel to take you to where you want to go hmm. because i was i was running away from my story bad bad pun i know but i would uh, <laughs> before i started running i was trying to avoid that pain as much as possible with alcohol with um telling myself these um oh it's not my fault it's somebody else Mm -hmm. Um, you know, somebody else can help me, blah blah blah. Um, but the one of the quotes I love by Tony Robbins is the story that protects you is also the one that imprisons you. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we tell ourselves these stories to protect us, but actually they're stopping us from growing. Um, and so now I, I try not to, if I feel pain about anything. I don't run away from it, and really use that as fuel to then do something about it. There was a re- there was a really fascinating interview uh, with Jordan Peterson the other day, and love him or hate him, they the they prefix the question with saying about how he was so courageous, and he sort of said, "Oh, I don't think about myself as being courageous at all. I've just learnt to, um, what did he say?" I've just learned to be scared of the right things. <laughs> so it sounds as though that it's that pain that you can actually use to um, drive you forward.
0: Wow, that's really awesome. Thanks for sharing all that, mate. I know it's that's a dark place to go to. Um, but now I can understand when you're on that track or you're going to hear more of your stories <laughs> when you're in that dark place, how you, know, you hold them side by side. So you get to a place where you start running you start changing your old habits with the new habits you said it didn't happen overnight it took you know Mm. can you take us through what happened once you got the running habit going
1: yes I finished my first marathon and just I really loved training yeah although it was all over the place I didn't have a coach and I was like a newbie was running long every weekend and hard and got myself itb issues and plantar fasciitis and and all those fun things but i loved i loved the feeling it gave me this huge feeling of accomplishment and doing these things that i once thought was impossible you know going for like a 20 25 30 kilometer long run at the weekends for fun um And even though I was broken afterwards, I was just like, it just, all of a sudden I was like, oh, you know, I'm getting back my self-worth. I can I can do something I put my mind to. So, yeah, completed the marathon. And then I bumped into somebody at work who said, oh, do you know what? There's this race up in the mountains, um, UTA. Do you want to come along and do the 50? And I was like, yeah, cool. That sounds good. It's only an extra 8K. And, of course, it, it... it chewed me up and spat me out. Right. And that, that was a good lesson. Um, so I did the UTA 50 afterwards, but um, I managed to, there was also a, the Oxfam 100 that I'd seen somebody complete years before. And I was always, I'd love to do that. Um, but I'll just, you know, when somebody, if somebody asks me, I'll, I'll definitely do it. And going back to what I said about responsibility, I think, or taking ownership as well, I was like, "Do you know what? I need to go first. Maybe you know, stop waiting for other people to ask. I really want to do this." So I said, "Right, I'm, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it this year." And then went hunting for people, and I knew someone that worked that did it, and so went out for a few beers with him, and I was like, "Oh yeah, tell me about it. You know, would you do it again?" He's like, "Oh no." I was like, oh, come on, tell us a few stories. And he's telling me these stories. He's getting excited. We'd had a few beers. And I was like, so should we do it next year? And then he's like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And I was like, fantastic. So, um, yeah, my first 100 was a complete and utter disaster. I think it took us 26 or 27 hours as a group. We were all very under-trained and all over the place. But, again, it just sort of ticked tick this box in my head to say, oh, I wonder what else is possible. Um, then the UTA 100, and then it was doing it again. Because again, after the I did the 50, I thought, I've got no idea how somebody could run that distance again. And then after a few beers in the Fairmont Hotel with a couple of friends, I made a decision that night to say, I'm going to get myself a coach this week and I'm going to train and do the 100 next year.
0: This is the night after the 50.
1: This is the night of the 50, Not yeah. The, you, just, you just finished the 50? <laughs> so just, just finished and I felt it was one of those wow. things that I thought, it, it, as I said, it completely chewed me up and spat me out. My legs were cooked mm. and I, I, it was impossible that somebody could do the 100 absolutely impossible but i was just like Shh, just make a decision and just go for it what's the worst that can happen and then got myself a coach and trained for it and completed it next year and and again it was this box that was ticked in my head mm. but what i what i didn't mention is actually when i was feeling really bad and when i first started running early mornings and i was reading that book by dean Carnazes, the um, ultra running man and again putting him putting him up on a pedestal thinking how could any normal person do that he must have something that us normal humans don't have um but for and i i can't remember the exact day or why but i really wanted to run from brisbane to sydney
0: <laughs> right okay
1: and that that love it. that was <clears throat> that was me feeling at my worst and then saying okay I want to do this looking back I think one of the main reasons why I picked this huge goal that I thought was impossible was because I was feeling so worthless and so low and so I needed to do something really really big to make myself feel whole and to feel worth worthwhile again Um, but yeah I didn't tell anybody about it for two years but it was something i constantly thought of in the back of my head and so every every race a marathon 50k 100k was a stepping stone towards that and then i finally got to the point where i said to my wife do you know what i want to do for my 40th birthday and she's like oh what thinking oh we'll go on a nice holiday and i said oh, i really want to run from brisbane to sydney and i think she thought i was completely mad and it took a while to sort of explain to her that i was deadly deadly serious um and i'd been obsessing about it for 2 years but um yeah that's it, it it was been an interesting sort of relationship with running and my wife as well whereas at the beginning she hated it um whereas now she's kind of embraced it and is um yeah big part of why I do it and a big part of the journey as well what changed for her Mark um I don't I mean I can't speak for her obviously but I think I think at the beginning at the beginning it was very selfish it was a selfish endeavor of mine right I was feeling really crap and all of my energy was going into running it was just on trying to Make myself feel better because I knew that I needed to make myself feel better to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better, better worker. So all of my focus was on me, and it was very selfish. Now, if you'd asked me that at the time, I wouldn't have said that at all. I was, but I think over time, and I was very tired. I was tired all the time, and I think over time, I've managed to integrate it into my life where it is just a part of me now and i'll always make sure that uh yeah i do all my running early in the morning so that i can be there for the family i try not to let it impact family time um on the odd occasion if i've got to do a really long run then yeah i might be gone for saturday morning but it's sort of few and far between and trying to include them in this whole journey as well so they were my they're all they're always sort of we're always going on these adventures and we'll try and make a bit of a a holiday of these trips as well so um yeah I think it's more a case of at the beginning very selfish it was all about me and now we try and include it as a family and I think it's just it was a it was a big big change right when when we met each other we were both big drinkers and that's what we did and then all of a sudden I'm going well I'm not going to drink anymore I, I, I drink now but at the time <laughs> I'm not going to drink and I'm going to put all my energy in here and I stopped going out and she's thinking who is this guy
0: yeah right yeah <laughs> but she's on board now she sees the benefits to the family, and obviously I, she- I think she uh, yeah. yeah,
1: I mean it's uh, it's it's still it's still tough at times, mm. but it's 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 like anything I, I think there's more she she can see there's a lot a lot more good that comes out of it than bad um yeah let's um let's continue that theme of
0: what you've done with your running. You mentioned Brisbane and Sydney. Can you take us, take us to that, <laughs> how, you, how COVID set you back, but you still found a way around. Can you yeah tell us that story? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a, it was, it was a funny one. Cause um, yeah, I was supposed to be, the plan was to go up to Brizzy and run down and run. I think it was 22 marathons in 22 days. And I was supposed to finish at the opera house on my 40th birthday, June the 18th. And then yeah COVID hit and like everyone it just came out of nowhere and all of a sudden I was like oh god it was a couple of months away and I was thinking when am I ever going to be able to do this so um I was yeah pretty deflated for maybe a week and thinking right what else can I do and so spoke to my coach at the time and then made the decision okay well Going Again, going back to my why, I was clear why I wanted to do it. And it was all about sharing my story and encouraging others to speak up and be mentally fit. So I think, again, when you're really, really clear on why you want to do it, you're then able to pivot and say, okay, what else can I do to achieve the same result? And so what I decided to do was run 21 half marathons in 21 days. And then each day I would speak to somebody, whether they were had done something else similar that was fairly crazy, or they were in the mental health space. Um, and so we could share all, or, or, you know, had a story, a redemptive story that they could share where they'd gone through a lot of hardship and what they'd got out of running. And um, it was supposed to be a couple of conversations, and then Everybody I asked said yes, which was fantastic. But at the same time, I was then, oh, okay. So, yeah, ran a half marathon every day and had a chat with a different person each day. And whether it was my best mate, one of my conversations was with, to Gus Warland, who is the um, founder of Gotcha for Life, um, the international cricketer, Steve Smith, and then lots of other runners that had really inspired me um, and that are good friends now as well. So it was, it was a really amazing experience, and we managed to pull it all together in two weeks, which was good because it didn't give me time to overthink it. The hardest thing was definitely the interviews each day <laughs> because I'd never done anything like that before, and so I was, I was more nervous about that. And uh, were they going to be any good? Is anyone going to listen? Am I going to be too tired? And so that that was actually keeping me up more than the running. Yeah. But the running was a really good test for Brisbane to Sydney, because I came out of that feeling feeling really strong, like on my second to last run, I did a marathon and ran it in I think it was like three sixteen or something like that. And the last half marathon I did in one twenty something Wow so. Smoking. Just, just seemed to get stronger and stronger. So I came out of that with lots and lots of confidence that, do you know what I can, I can, I can do this. But yeah, it was, it was just absolutely amazing. It was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Or and it was, I was just really happy that we were able to sort of pivot as well and do something positive it's it was
0: such a positive anyone who wants to check out these interviews they're all on your website you mentioned steve smith australian cricket captain gus wall and um who people will know from tv and triple m um haven't mentioned the highly famous keith hong who in ultra running world is uh one of the most loved people around uh yeah you know treadmill Legend and and 24 hour track runner Joe Ward, they're all on there. So if you go to Mark's website, you'll be able to see all these interviews that he did each day after he ran that,
1: that half marathon. <laughs> and you can see me deteriorate each day. <laughs> there was a there was a few ones where, yeah, bit of slurred speech. It was like I'd had a few beers.
0: <laughs> so that that was a huge success, I'm sure. And then it led you into uh eventually um yeah. getting you couldn't get across the border because of COVID, but you could get yep. to three heads.
1: Yeah, so the the COVID seas sort of parted in November. So we jumped on board. I think it was sort of six. I'm losing track, probably six to eight weeks before the the seas started to part, and we could see a gap. And so we thought, right, let's let's pull this all together. Had my wife works for the NRMA, so I had them on board, and they were they were a huge huge support. Um, and so yeah, we we. Drove up to Tweed Heads, up to the New South Wales-Queensland border. And I, I, I drove up with my wife and kids. So they were my support crew. <laughs> I sold it to my wife as a holiday, which it definitely wasn't for her. It was a holiday for me. I It was like every runner's dream. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And we were so lucky with the weather. Yeah, wow. Um, And, yeah, we we drove up there on the Thursday or Friday. I I can't remember when I kicked it off. It might have been the Monday. Um, And, yeah, we were just meandered down the coast and stayed at somewhere different pretty much each night. Vicky and the kids just followed along. And it was, as I said, it was just the most amazing experience. And we sort of traveled down the coast in this bubble, it felt like we were just completely on our own. And um, it um, it was really, really difficult at times, but I just look back on it with such fondness, really. How
0: did how many Ks were you covering a day, Mark? How many days all up?
1: Yeah, so it was 20, 20 marathons in 20 days, but I think on average it was about 45 Ks. I had a few 50 K days and a few... Uh, 42k days so yeah the average was 45ks a day for 20 days um yeah and just tried to do it all in one go so i just get up early in the morning pretty much bash it out and then finish get some food and spend some time with vicky and the kids
0: you mentioned your why for that was was different than other races, and you said your why will change and evolve over time. But for that, it was really you know encouraging other people to to share their story and 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 speak up about mental health. How when yep. did you? How often did you have to draw on that? I'm sure there were some pretty dark days when you were traveling down the coast doing 45 k's a day.
1: Yeah, a, a hell of a lot. Yeah, because as I said at the beginning, it was all about me and i wanted to to just do something really big because i felt so unworthy but during that training and going through all those different races i started to feel better and better so then the focus changed purely from focusing on me to then i suppose my community and friends and family and how could i use how could i use this story to help other people so um yeah, that was that was the big focus. And even on those dark times, like there was one day I think that my leg was it just blew up and I felt really sore. Wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to continue. But again, always could rely back on the story of, well, even if I've got to walk, I, I'm going to finish this. And so, as I said before, it's kind of that's my get out jail free card with everything, really takes It takes a lot of the pressure off, um, but for there there were some dark moments. But at, never at one point did I think, "What have I signed up for?" I was literally blown away every day. I was like, "I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm so lucky." Um, and I had I just had to keep pinching myself, you know. Even at those times where I just felt completely empty. Um, I was just like, this is just amazing. And then I'm getting messages from people as well who were running alongside and doing, um, we'd set up a virtual team event as well. So again, that, that list of reasons was just stacked so high. Um, I was just, even though at times I was empty, I was really, really full at the same time.
0: It's it's amazing to hear you you talk about the why and how it shifted from yourself to others. I'm sure people are getting a lot out of this from, um, you know, using that power of servitude or or service to others as a as a as you say, put it in the rocket ship. You have also managed to get a lot of sponsors on board um, for various things you've done. How can you just quickly talk about how you go about inspiring? So I know Vicky works for Aaron May, but yeah. Any other company? How do you how do you get them on board?
1: How do you inspire them? Oh, a lot of trial and error at the beginning, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, I think one of the key things I learned was being really clear on my why, what I wanted to get out of it, but more importantly, what what was what was it going to do for them as well. I think at the beginning when I was speaking to sponsors, you go and say, oh, you know, I'm doing this event. Do you want to get on board? And they're like, okay, what do you want? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. So made loads of mistakes right at the beginning where you, you kind of, you like the idea of a sponsor, but then you're not completely clear on why you want them on board. And so over time, you know, when I reached out to Hoka at the beginning, I was like, you know, this is my story. This is why I want to do it. I want to inspire people to pick up a pair of running shoes and just get on the move uh, because of what it's done for me, share the stories. And what I'd love your support with is two things. Firstly, um, could I have some shoes for my run? (laughs) But secondly, and this is the most important thing. Secondly, could you help me share my message? Mm. Uh, And so with a lot of the companies that were on board, I wasn't asking for money. I wasn't asking for a lot of things. It was more, I think that would be the, that was the biggest lesson for me. It wasn't, what can I get? It's, can you help me share my message? And so then it was, it was a much easier conversation because then they're either, yes, and it aligns to our values as a company and it aligns with where we're going or no but I think because of the message that I was sharing and the fact that we were all going through this horrible time with COVID and it was such an important message they were like yep cool and could you also come and share your story at our work and I was like yep 100% because it was again both everything was completely aligned my values and what I wanted to get out of it was aligned to the company values and what they wanted to get out of it.
0: It's really, really good advice um, on what you just gave. I know some people struggle with that, and that's a really good hey, – thanks for sharing that, mate. That's I, okay. Yeah. Um, so you take us to the – like the, the Tweed Heads to Sydney. I want to hear the the, 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 the wrap-up of that. I mean, you, you said it was one of the best things you've ever done. Every day you felt mm. so
1: lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I I knew it was amazing because I, I really didn't want it to end. I wasn't looking, it was really weird. Like you would think you'd just be looking forward to that finish line. And, and that's a big thing I'd been focused on, you know, focused on the finish line. So when I'm doing my early morning runs, focusing on that feeling at the finish line, um when i didn't want to get up in the mornings because there were some mornings i was getting up at 2 or 3 in the morning mm. on a saturday for instance running a marathon coming home picking my son up and taking him to soccer and then sometimes refereeing as well but i was just i thought i'm going to be so tired brisbane to sydney so i need to practice running when i'm so tired like i mean it's standard ultra stuff right but you need to practice being in these situations. But so I just wasn't looking, not that I wasn't looking forward to the finish line, but I I, would, I just loved every single minute and was just soaking it all up, trying to soak it up as much of, uh, with the family as well and making sure that we're all on the journey together and then running into Circular Key and seeing all, my friends and family there and having a beer with everyone after you've been in this bubble for so long was just, just amazing. And then we went back to a friend's afterwards, our neighbors around the corner and just a smaller group of us. And just, I was just sat there exhausted with a big smile on my face. And and we just, we just told stories of all the things that had gone wrong and all the things that I hadn't told Vicky Along the run, um, like, I think on the second day, I'd come across this huge snake on the road. It was massive. And I was like, right, I'm not going to tell Vicky about that. And then there was one day that I got chased by two dogs along one of the old Pacific highways. And I was like, right, I'm not going to tell Vicky about that. Um, And then there was another day where... (laughs) Google was taking me all over the place and then all of a sudden I'd come up to this gun range and I was like, right, I'm not going to go through that. I've got to turn back and find another route and I'm not going to tell Vicky about that. <laughs> so this is when all the stories came out and yeah, it was, it was just such such an amazing time and um, it, it wasn't even about the run. It was, I loved the whole process leading up to the run um so the rum was just the cherry on the cake um i, I loved everything about it i loved the process um and so it, it then when i finished it wasn't something that i was it, it didn't um it might have been the sort of close of a chapter but i knew that there was a lot left to do this is what i'm learning about you mark is,
0: is the that you have fallen in love with running it's given you so much mm. it is it is about the process the day-to-day the goals are there sure to for the inspiration and everything but it's shining through everything you do it's it's um it's a really beautiful lesson for everyone to get Mike, just on on that process could you give someone advice who's out there struggling to get out of bed to go for their run focusing on the goal only um yep. trying to motivate themselves by having some Picture of this grand day in the future that they're going to get to can you give them advice on how to enjoy the process how to build it a habit or or whatever your word would be
1: yeah i mean the i think one of the biggest lessons for me is that i think we fool ourselves by thinking it's going to be easy (laughs) and that once we've nailed the perfect process or we're feeling good that it will just come easy where maybe 50% of the times I do wake up feeling really motivated and you're in that good mood and you've had a good sleep and you know, you're, you're, you're ready to go. But a lot of the time I don't really feel like doing it. I, I feel good afterwards, but like this morning, I felt really tired when I woke up. I didn't want to go for a run, but, and I think this is where I lean on the fear more than the inspiration or the the stick more than the carrot is that i know that i've got costa cosy in 6 weeks if you don't do this then you're going to look like an idiot on that start line or at, through the race so i've got a coach and i don't want to let them down so i think it's sort of stacking up the um um stacking up the the negative things i find personally i find motivating but saying that i've got my set routine every day so i always do my runs early in the morning so i don't have to give it much thought but if i was leaving it up to how i was feeling probably half the time i wouldn't bother a bit like the um you know the 10 minute workouts we do with joe right I do mine in the afternoons, usually after dinner. I really don't want to do them a lot of the time. I just want to, I've just eaten. I want to sit down with my family on the sofa. Um, And maybe I, in a, in a weird way, I purposefully do it at a time where I really don't want to do it because I want to build that mental energy of, uh, or I always like to go back to stories all the time as well, whether it's a story or a belief, because I, I truly believe we you know we're a collection of all the stories we tell ourselves and mm-hmm. so one of the stories that I build by doing things that I don't want to do mm-hmm. is that I'm the type of person that gets things done regardless love and it. and so I'm a massive massive fan of James clear as well and atomic habits and I love that quote of his that um and I knew as soon as I said that, it's going to lose my mind. But each, each action we take is a vote for the type of person that we want to be. Right. I, I love that. I love that. Mm. Because I know that doing that 10-minute workout from Joe once a week isn't going to do anything. And maybe even if I did it for 30 days in a row, I'm not going to see the results. Mm. But after six months, a year, Looking back, I'm going to think, well, one, med- physically, I'm in much better shape. I'm feeling stronger for my running. But then mentally, I've ticked this box to say every, every day during the week, I've done this regardless of whether I wanted to do it or not. Um, and so it's, it's more about the little things that we're doing every day that change the stories that we tell about ourselves, change our identity than the big things you know it's much better to do a little thing every day than a big thing once uh, once every two weeks this is a beautiful thing
0: that i've learned from you today mate is um as you said about say joey's workouts getting out of bed you are really good at looking back at where you've come from even saying i could never have done this six years ago i never thought i'd be running a marathon i never thought i could do a 50k 100k and you're very good at Mm. reflecting on that because and even if you add up all of those workouts you do or all of the times you got out of bed that's building that identity that lets you say i am the type of person who gets things done because you've got Mm. this reference of all the times you have done it um yeah it's really it's really cool um it's it's really i hope people are understanding the power of what you're doing because A lot of us who delete what we've done in the past or don't take the time to go back and look at where we've come from are constantly either comparing ourselves to our ideal self, which we never get to, or somebody else. So
1: thanks for sharing those, yeah. That's all right. Well, one other other quick thing, actually, while I have to think about it, is especially at the beginning, maybe when I'm trying to start a new habit, I will do everything within my power because it's really difficult to start a habit you need a lot of energy at the beginning um so sometimes it is about geeing yourself up and that's when i use my music pump yourself up pump yourself up to get that habit installed at the beginning and then once it's in autopilot then it's easy then i sort of fall back onto the belief that i can do it it's a bit i found it a bit like running at the beginning you know you use m- music to really really motivate you and push you at certain times but then during races i don't really listen to music because then you can rely and sit back on your training you you you've used you've you've built up the habits you've built up that strength that um you needed to get you to where you are now
0: Really good stuff, Mark. thanks. Um, I'm conscious of time, but there's one story we haven't told. You had a conversation with Luca Torini, <laughs> which led you to do something absolutely extraordinary. Um, can you tell us that
1: one? Mm. yeah, so when i was when I was doing a bit of research for running from Brisbane to Sydney, um, I came across I, I got introduced to Luca, and it because he'd run. The 20 marathons in the 20 provinces in italy in i don't know it might have been 20 30 days maybe or something like that um and so i i phoned him up to ask for some advice you know how what were the logistics you know f- food prep um working with charities etc cetera, etc cetera. and then as uh, part of the conversation i realized that he'd done this or he had held the guinness world record for furthest distance run on a treadmill in 24 hours. And again, I couldn't understand how somebody could do that. And we finished the call. You know, we're supposed to speak for maybe 10, 15 minutes. It went on for over an hour. Um, And he had this video on YouTube, which was his world record attempt. And I watched it and I was just blown away. And I was kind of obsessed, you know, in a weird way. Uh, but I thought, right, we'll, we'll park that for now. But I couldn't get it out of my head. And this is all, This is always, this is when I know it's a good idea and something I've got to explore. When you can't get something out of your head, you know, I know that I've got to jump on it. And so on marathon number three, running down the coast, we started off in Byron, met Luca, and we were running a marathon down the coast. And typical Luca, he took me on the toughest part on the the toughest route possible we we ran up to the lighthouse up all the stairs down through some of the bush and then along one of the beaches so it was it was a really tough marathon but yeah along that we had a chat and I sort of said to him you know I'd I'd love to have a crack at 24 hours on a on, on a treadmill one day and he said okay he said get through this first and then let's chat and so yeah finished and then a few months later that itch had to be scratched and I got in touch with him and said yeah, I really want to do it and I really want to do it for your charity outrun cancer and so um yeah it was a it was another one where I probably spent the first month just running on a treadmill thinking okay can I actually physically do this is it yes it's going to be way you know in my above the limit but do i think it's even possible to have a crack and i think it i had i had to run roughly five minutes per kilometer across the full 24 hours to wow. be able to do it uh, that's including a few you know a few breaks and everything but i thought yes it's bloody hard and it's going to be way way above but it was kind of within the realm of possibility for me, you know, if it was four minute K's or running three minute K's or, um, you know, no chance, but it was, it was just within that realm where you're kind of like, Oh yeah, maybe I can, maybe I can. And yeah, just started training as the weeks went on, I started to get more and more confidence from running for an hour on the treadmill kept building up i ran so many marathons on a treadmill i lost count and it just became second nature running on a treadmill to the point where i broke four treadmills along the journey as well <laughs> and, and uh on those on those days on those times before getting another treadmill i had to run outside and i found it really really difficult to run outside yeah, well um And similar to what we were speaking about earlier, it was trying to make it as hard as possible. So a lot of the time I didn't listen to music. So I was literally just on a treadmill for four, five, six, eight hours, not listening to anything to make it as hard as possible, starting at midnight and running through to six or 8am. And yeah, funnily enough, I just absolutely loved the whole thing just the mental challenge behind it Um, and running all hours in my garage or towards the end at the gym down the road because, as I said, I trashed too many treadmills. So I thought I'd go and trash theirs. But, um, yeah, it was just another one of those really eye-opening moments where, or or eye-opening journeys where just slowly, day by day, week by week, month by month, by the end of it, what I thought was impossible at the beginning running for that amount of time was normal or possible. And and I loved, loved the whole journey, loved every single minute of that training. And even though the whole, you know, running for 24 hours on a treadmill was really painful. And there were a lot of times where I wanted to quit. I, at the same time in that sort of weird sick way i loved it (laughs) can you help us out most people probably
0: i know i can't speak for everyone pretty much even if they're good runners as soon as they get on a treadmill they're looking forward to getting off it so how did you (laughs) get yourself to those four hour six hour eight hour 12 hour runs with no music what are you doing in that head i really want to know
1: i think it's a lot like anything um i used to hate hills when i first started ultra running and then you train it to the point where you actually enjoy training on the hills so it was just a patience game at the beginning i found it really awkward running on a treadmill i didn't like it at the beginning i listened to music all the time so similar to what i said earlier it was okay i'm going to use whatever i can to get through this and to build it up and then once i'm comfortable with running on a treadmill then what can i remove to make it harder so i suppose i'd been really patient at the beginning and then it was a case of okay can i run for four hours or you know it started off as can i run for two hours on a treadmill with no music then keep increasing it and i'd always have i'd always allow myself to listen to music for the last half an hour or 10 10 minutes or you know i'd had something to look forward to um so yeah i definitely didn't jump into it but I think a bit like the long runs, I think once you remove those distractions of music or sometimes even listening to podcasts, your mind can go all over the place. And so I got really used to just letting my mind wander, thinking about lots of different things. And and I used to just, I actually re- really used to look forward to where's my mind gonna go on this run? And so you, I used to come off the treadmill and and felt like I'd been on holiday for like a week or two. It was it was a really bizarre thing. It were, it might have been like how people describe mindfulness or meditation, where before they do it, your mind's all over the place, and just by allow giving yourself that time, it sort of calms down. It's, and so I always yeah. came off feeling really really relaxed really calm um tired (laughs) but mentally feeling pretty um pretty good
0: so you get on the treadmill for say four hours and your mind's running around doing what it does and you're just letting it go it does it potentially quieten or do you follow it down the rabbit holes or do you use mindfulness what do you do
1: I'd follow it down the rabbit hole. Right. Um, so for instance, I I love these types of conversations we're having now. Um, all about the mind, psychology. Sometimes I'd be having just conversations with myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, a lot of the times I would imagine maybe I'm, people are asking me questions and I'm answering them in a way to sort things through in my head. Um because i was just fascinated you know i'd be asked these questions before i got on similar to that question and i'd be i'd be thinking about that whilst i'm on the treadmill and it'd be going round in my head what what am i doing now okay i'm looking out of the window and at times i'm you know imagining i'm um floating or i'm watching myself from above and then i'm i'm giving a talk somewhere it was it was a really surreal experience but i I don't think the mind ever quietened to the point where there was nothing there, <laughs> but I suppose the, the chatter at the beginning, it would be a bit all over the place at the beginning. And then as the run went on, I kind of settled into a, a bit of a conversation with myself.
0: Awesome. I love hearing different <laughs> strategies for what we can do. Cause someone out there will try that and it will fit for them. And that's, that's mm. what this is all about. And other people will not, but
1: yeah. so, <laughs> like, you
0: did all this amazing training. You broke four treadmills. You went to the gym to used to break theirs. The day came at Concord bowling club where you, yeah, you had to, I'm sure, I'm assuming there's all these rules that Guinness have to set around calibration. Yeah. You have to do all that. And then I, I'm, and I've watched your video where, you know, you had the f- crew, the people there, the messages on the whiteboard, it was quite a. It was an event. Um, yeah, can you mm. take us to that day?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was such an amazing day. Um, I can still vividly, vividly remember lots of different things. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I was ill two days before, which it it, it was a real shame. Um, and yeah, I was really gutted at the time, but it was it was just one of those things really part of the part of the journey so yeah i suppose on the saturday morning things kicked off i'd had a good sleep the night before um the clock started and there was just a handful of people and then as the day went on More people started to come. I had issues from about four hours in, I think because I'd been ill and some of the tablets I'd taken to try and help myself feel better had sort of messed up my body a bit. So I was getting cramps. I can't remember whether it was four hours in or six hours in. So (laughs) really early. And I was like, Oh God, this is going to be a long day. Um, And Joe was there for part of it and in his positive way and Keith Hong, and they're both like this is completely normal and Luca's you know there as well and giving me all these words of encouragement this is completely normal I'm thinking yeah I know it's not but let's keep going and then um, yeah it kept going and then I think the the key point for me came maybe I knew I was off target and I wasn't going to hit it um the body kept cramping up um And then I think it was about maybe 14 hours in and I came off cramp again. And I said to Luca, I'm not going to do this, am I? And he said, no, sorry, my friend. And I was like, okay. And I stopped the treadmill, got off, gave him a hug, gave Vicky a hug. And they thought I was giving up, (laughs) but I was just sort of, I just wanted to sort of stop and acknowledge it because it had all been frantic up to that point. And then I got back on and started running and I said, right, what do we do next? And Luca, because my mind was frazzled by that point. And Luca said, right, well, we need to make sure you finish strong. You know, people are gonna be coming there in the morning. um, So let's make sure you finish with a bang. And I was like, yeah, cool. So he's like, okay, maybe we should, you should get off in a minute and have a quick four minute nap because we, we only had five minute, there was a five minute timer on the treadmill as well. So if you got off, you had to get back on within five minutes, otherwise it reset. <laughs> so um, yeah, any toilet breaks or quick massages on the legs, I had to quickly get back on. And um, yeah, so a lot of walking throughout the night. I was sick a couple of times. Um and then yeah people started to as the sun started to come up people started to show up and had a bit of a a new lease for life taking caffeine like it was going out of fashion and yeah managed to crack over 200 k's and I think it was 207.9 or something like that in the end and yeah it was just an amazing feeling to finish but I was yeah well and truly broken but Again, felt completely empty afterwards, but just so full. It was, um yeah, such an amazing ex- experience.
0: In that time where you said to Luca, I'm not going to do it, you, you knew it. He said exactly the right thing, quite being honest <laughs> and not saying, Yeah, I used to. Be. I, I'm yeah. sure so many people listening to this have been in that place where they've had a big goal for race, they're in the race, and they know they're not going to hit it. What did yeah. you draw on? I know you said to finish strongly, but did you, did you re-establish a goal or what What was it besides yeah. finishing strongly that, that got you back
1: on there? And, and well, I'm going to sound like a broken record. It was being clear on my why before. Mm. So I, again, I was really, really clear. So breaking the world record was just one component of why I wanted to do it. Um, there was raising money for lucas charity for outrun cancer and to get it into the it was a healthy lunchbox program for schools so i needed to be there in the morning and finish strong so people would show up and donate there were people watching online there was a live feed again i need to make sure that i'm not being selfish and saying well i'm not going to get the record Um, i'm not i'm not fussed um i wanted to show my kids as well never to give up and so if it was all about the record yeah I would have just quit then and there but I was so clear going in and had spoken to Luca and Vicky beforehand to say that we're going to finish tomorrow morning regardless okay because who knows what's going to happen on the day Um, and unfortunately my you know my body wasn't behaving so I was, I was really clear. I was really, really clear. Um, but yeah, I was, there was a point though, that Luca could even see that, yes, I'd accepted it, but I was, I had still had a lot of emotion bottled up. And so there was a, there was a time where I went to the toilet and sort of Lucas follow- and someone else is following me in and I'm really wobbly. And then I came, as I'm coming back out, Luca just turned to me and and sort of looked me, Dead in the eyes and said, "It's okay." And I just burst into tears. And I was like, yeah. "And and that he he just knew. I think because he'd been through it before. He just knew exactly what to say. Yeah. Um, and he knew that I was holding on to this emotion, and I just had to let it out. Yeah. So he knew exactly what I exactly what to say to to trigger that in me, so that then I could continue. Yeah. Well. Wow. Such a powerful,
0: powerful story you told, Mark, <laughs> I, I just thank you for taking us on this journey that you have been on. And I just want to kind of wrap up by saying you've taught me and I'm sure everyone listening, how much, how to build a why, a proper why, and how to make it self-oriented and then others, and then make it big. But what, you, what you've what you also done is the people that you brought along for your journey, um, you know, for us extreme introverts who don't normally include other people, what you've taught me today is, you know, you've brought on sponsors, you've raised money for, you know, the, the Lucas charity outrun cancer, the gotcha for life with Gus Warren. Um, do you have a, can you, is there a figure that you have raised, um, over the past six years? Do you know?
1: Um, I, uh, I don't know whether it's like eighty or ninety thousand, maybe, because it's been quite a. There's been a few different things. Yep. Um, yeah, some something like that. And I it's, can't quite remember.
0: This is what running has done for you from that time that you took us through when when Frank, your neighbour, passed away so suddenly, mm. and then what you've done with that is um is extraordinary, and and the people that you probably didn't even know about who you've inspired along the way. So it's it's just been a fantastic conversation. Um, I have to ask, what's next? I know Costa Cosy Six Four said,
1: <laughs> "Yeah, Costa Cossi, Um Ah, oh, I don't know if my wife's listening. Maybe not. I'd love to have a crack on the treadmill again. <laughs> oh, I just heard her. I am listening. Um, <laughs> Perfect. So that will get that will get me in trouble. But I don't know. I, I maybe in a year or two, I'd love to have another crack on that. I, I just, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and win, lose or draw, I just think I'd, I'd like to have a go and feel fresh. Um, mm. I'd love to do another multi-day run, um, whether that's something like Melbourne to Sydney. Again, I'm seeing if Vicky's listening, but a nice little family road trip um some more 24-hour track events really enjoyed them um but yeah I'm just I think another thing that I found really helpful is not to like every every event or every challenge I've put on has just been a stepping stone to the next thing and it's I think you said earlier about really just really enjoying the process it's not about that end race it's the whole build up and the the change that you you can see in yourself no matter how subtle it is um but yeah i'm i'm just excited about where this is going to take me and, and i don't really know but i'm just loving the journey <laughs> amazing
0: mark thanks heaps Where, where's the best place for people to we've mentioned website is that the best place for them to
1: find out about you um yeah i mean i've got a lot of stuff on my website markjamesavery.com. and then i'm on facebook and insta mark james avery um but yeah i mean mainly the socials if people want to drop me a message i'm always happy to uh reply back and chat to people and it's As much as I hate social media at times, it is fantastic to sort of connect with people in the world that you wouldn't typically bump into, right? Um, Absolutely. And there is that really cool supportive side of it, no matter how bad some of the other sides are.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for your time today and for sharing the depth that you did and taking us on a hell of an adventure. So
1: yeah i love absolutely loved it rob Yep, um we, we definitely have to set up a, a long run and a chat soon. absolutely
0: i'm already looking forward to it and i'll see you in eden in six weeks and um can't wait to to hear more about it thanks again mark
1: anytime cheers rob Cheers.
0: thanks for listening to the mindset for runners podcast i hope you got something useful and practical out of this episode If you have a question around the mindset of runners or athletes in general, please email me, athlete.mindset.training at gmail.com, and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. And if there's anyone you know who could benefit from the information I share in these podcasts, please share it with them. See you next time.